Hi, this is former UFC fighter Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman, and you're listening to the Awaken Your Alpha podcast with Adam the Lewis Walker. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, the alpha round. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, TEDx keynote speaker and best-selling author. I'm with you on this journey every week. If you have any interest in podcasts, living life to the max, and how you can get your own TEDx talk, within the next three months, you need to reach out to me. Go over, follow all the links, and head over to ayalpha.com, head over to Facebook, and search for Awaken Your Alpha with ALW, and jump on the inside. Let's connect, let's take it to the next level. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my bag. Okay, we have an awesome one. This one is really gonna awaken your alpha today. We have Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman, and he is a former UFC fighter, and his story of what he accomplished in there is just awesome. He's a fighter and a speaker now, so I, I really relate to him on the speaking thing. I wanna think I'm a bit of a fighter, or it's something I've always wanted to do more of, but let's be honest here, I have not done a lot of that. So, <laughs> but we're gonna jump in today. So this, I mean, there's so much we can talk about. We're gonna see which way this goes. But firstly, Charlie, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I absolutely am. And, you know, to touch on what you were saying, awaken your alpha, but this is awaken your fighter. Because like you said, every, every single one of us, you know, I have a, a three little kids. I have a three and a half year old and a six month old. And honestly, I just told my wife last night, I w- open my eyes at whatever o'clock in the morning and automatically <laughs> think, oh, this is going to be a marathon. This is going to be a fight today. And it's just getting through the day to day. So it's applicable to every one of us. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, that was quite a brief intro I did because uh, I'm just excited to get into this. But is there anything you'd like to add, highlight from that very brief intro? I know we're going to talk about lots. Yeah, just add some context to my story. Before I decided to pursue the UFC, I was a junior high Spanish teacher. I had uh, wrestled my whole life and then I got into a comfortable position, a nice job, nice salary, nice comfortable spot in my hometown. And then I just had this, uh, this awakening, you know, and I just thought, wow, I really want to do that. I want to pursue it. So I did, and I left the security and, and really chased a dream, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just made a plan, went after it, put in the work, and eventually got, you know, I won't say I got exactly where I wanted to go, because I think all of us want to do better, but yeah. I got pretty darn far, and it, it feels pretty good to look back on. That is awesome. I, I, I can really relate to some of that, because I was a teacher as well. Right. And so, I, I, especially when you say going to that comfortable or comfort zone, I definitely relate to that. And I think that was, for me, that was what, what killed the teaching career at that time. It was, you know, I did enjoy it, but it was just, it was too much in the comfort zone in that uh, kind of scenario. And there's other things I wanted to do. Um, so what was kind of like, cause obviously you got into the teaching career. What was kind of like the moment or the, what, almost like the straw that broke the camel's back? Like what happened? There was a very definitive moment. So it took me about, it probably took about six months. So I was a diehard wrestler my whole life. I was, if you know anything about the sport, it's just total, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. discipline, resilience, perseverance, sacrifice. I mean, you name it. It's, it's so overwhelmingly difficult, but it's addicting. And so it took me about six months of sitting in that comfortability until I realized, eh, this isn't very, it's not me. Like, yeah. you know, I hated cutting weight, but I kind of appreciated the process and the work put into it. So I saw a friend of mine, you know, a year or two later, I saw a friend of mine, who Frankie Edgar signed to the UFC. And it was like, like a, a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, wait a minute, I wrestled with him. He's <laughs> like, I touched him. I can touch him. I yeah. can do what he does. 
That's interesting, yeah. Because sometimes people put people on pedestals and think it's like a different world. But like, if you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? And then when you see like your mate do it, you're like, wait a minute, that's awesome. Yeah, so so that was really the the straw that made me actually like sit there and think, whoa, I I could do that. And then I got home that day from school and I I made a decision and and clear it with my parents and then just kind of hit the road. That is carnage. That's so good. So once you decided, um, was it as clear cut as that? Like, I want to get to, I mean, what was stage was the UFC in then? Was it still as it is now? Like, was that kind of the goal to get to the UFC? Yeah. Yeah. That was the only goal. It it was where it is, you know, obviously it's grown since then, but no, it was the up, you know, top of the top, best of the best. And that was my only goal. It wasn't, I want to start fighting. It was, I want to, I'm going to get to the UFC. And, and that everything I did from that point forward led there. You know, yeah. it was my vision or my goal or my, my purpose, you know. So everything I did, the focal point was UFC. Awesome. That makes, I mean, that makes the story even that much better. The fact, because obviously we're going to talk about what happened when you got there and different things. And then even, I think, you know, almost as inspiring the return as well. Like coming back once you have been knocked, you know, knocked down. Um, who helped awaken your alpha? You know, so like really like our Yoda question. Was there someone within that process? I know your friend was inspiration in terms of he achieved it. Yeah. But was there anyone else in your career or life that really, you know, um, were drawn I, to? I've had several people at different phases. You know, my, my original trainers, they helped me a bunch. My brother who kind of morphed into my manager and then my eventual manager. Probably the most is guys like Frankie Edgar. These guys that, so, you know, I had this support team around me. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the management, facilitating logistics, et cetera. But like the guys on the mat, I mean, it, it, it's, it's unlike anything you can imagine. I mean, I, I would get sick to my stomach going to practice because I knew it's going to be a fight. And sometimes you had like three or four fights in that one session. And then you'd have another session later that night. So it was just this constant like stress and, and, and uh, uncomfortability on your insides. But that really forged you. And that really brought it out of you. Honestly, being around Frank Yeager, I was just having a, a, a discussion with my wife last night. And she yeah. was saying how, how, how much time I put into my work. And I said, I don't compare myself to the average person. I'm comparing myself to Frank Yeager. <laughs> and I'm not working as hard as Frank Yeager's work. And so, therefore, I've got to work more. I've got to do more. So, being around guys like him really kind of like awoken that mindset inside yeah. of me. I love it. It's kind of like creating your own norm type thing. Like, like you say, I mean, for anyone in this kind of position who is really pursuing something, when anyone hits you with like stats of the average man, that just yeah. means absolutely nothing. nothing. I mean, that's, that is like an insult. Like, that is not, not something to aspire to anyway. Yeah. I have absolutely no interest in it. <laughs> cool. So in terms of uh, coming up, what was it like? And, and I know it, I just want to make context of the story as well. Obviously, it wasn't as simple as you think, right, I want to go to the UFC. And it came, you know, you had to, like you say, you had to work hard. You had to grind to get your shot. And when, what was it like in the scenario when you got that call from basically from the UFC and it was like game time, you, you'd reached that? So, to, to, you know, there was a lot that went into it. But the culminating visual that I want you all to, to think of here, this is reality. The fight before I signed with the UFC, I won. I fought in a barn. So, <laughs> I, love it. I love it's it. not a joke it's completely true i fought in a barn and uh then uh, i won that fight i got a call i believe that was i think that was january late january and then i was kind of sitting on another contract to a different organization but i was waiting for the ufc and then uh i was just driving to another session and got eventually got the call 
about fighting in the UFC. And obviously I signed that contract and hopped on it, but man, it's uh, you're wearing a Rocky shirt right now. You see those scenes of fight. Yeah. At the <laughs> beginning, you know, the, the, the first one he's fighting in the, you know, wherever it was probably in the underground, New York somewhere. Yeah. Philly, Philly, I guess it was. That's what it is. That's what it was. Barely any roles, barely whatever. Some guys are smoking cigarettes and then they get into the ring. So it's wow. uh it was a crazy trip that's crazy how quick things can change and also i want to talk about i'm sure people are listening to this some of them will literally know all of this in depth but for other people we're just going to assume might have just come across you know through the podcast sort of your story tell me about um almost like we talked about the rocky t-shirt i've got on and that that wasn't chance because when i uh, obviously knew i was interviewing you and uh, this t-shirt shone me in the face i i linked the two tell me about when you got that chance to step in at short notice which ultimately became you were the underdog there and you stepped up and you had your opportunity and you, you smashed it. <laughs> yeah. So back in 2011, I was scheduled to fight on the undercard. And, and, you know, for those of you who don't understand fighting or combat sports, the UFC, you know, there's the, the, the main card, which are the four or five or six main fights of the night with the most famous guys. And then there's the undercard, just the other cards of guys who are building themselves up or, you know, new to the game. And I was scheduled to be on that undercard. Nobody knew me or cared about me except my local fans, right? Yeah. And uh, the main event fighter got yanked for uh, testosterone. It was high-level testosterone. (laughs) And it says what happened to condense the story. They needed a sacrificial lamb to fight this guy (laughs) by the name of Rick the Horror Story. And because my opponent had gotten sick, didn't show up, I was left without a fight. Last minute, they said, hey, that guy – can you fight this guy, please? Because we need this guy to have a Ooh. fight. Yeah, they just assumed, just yeah. can we have a body to get, take a beating? And it, it happened to be on live television, happened to be in my backyard. And, uh, man, it changed, my li- it changed my night over life. And he was ranked number six in the world at that time. Would have Where, G- What were you ranked at that time? Or were you ranked in A million? Years? Like, not even. <laughs> I wasn't even on the radar. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Well, how many fights into the UFC was that? I believe that was my uh, probably my fourth or fifth UFC fight. Wow, wow! Yeah. And you had you had a, you had a good start to the UFC, if I'm correct. Yeah, I did. You know, I, I, <laughs> I reflected my career a lot because, as we said earlier, I always want more. I want to do better. I, I I evaluate how I did, and then I think of you know like how I try not to. I wish or whatever very much. Mm. But, you know, I look at it, and and if I don't reach my potential, I you know I, whatever it it, it it frustrates me. Yeah. So, yeah, I did have a good start to my UFC career, and uh, it ended not very good. I lost my last three fights in the UFC, so that's something that... Really- I was going to talk to you about that, because, I mean, it's much like... Uh, it's, it is that's really tough to take, but that's kind of, in theory, unless you're really lucky, that's kind of the way everyone yeah. leaves the UFC, isn't it? So it's, it's kind of... It's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but on the other side, it's kind of... It's like I used to compete in uh, pole vault. And yeah. At the end of the day, every competition would end on a failure, because you keep going yeah. until... You fouled three times, like the fights, and then you're gone. So, see? yeah, and, and what it becomes then is it becomes more of, and this is why I'm on the path I'm on now with speaking and writing. Physically, even today, I saw a couple fights announced, and I thought I'd smash both those guys. <laughs> I love it. That's good to hear. But, but I just, it, it, my priorities are different. My life's a little different. It's the mentality as well. Yeah. You've got to want to get in there, and because that, I've got to talk to you as well in terms of, in a minute, and just, trying to learn from the experience of being in the arena, which is like in life, it's a very different to be on the sidelines watching someone in the cage as opposed to being in there, which is something, something that would be valuable for listeners and you as well. Something I took from it. So, you know, I went from wrestling 
to teaching, right? And then when I was teaching that what we talked about, it got too comfortable. I wasn't pushing myself enough, physically or mentally. So luckily I found fighting. So then I just, I, I pursued fighting like I pursued wrestling all in. Yeah. So now that fighting has, you know, 99.9% .9 come to an end, it's like, what can I, so I don't want to feel lost again. So I've got to take that sacrifice, discipline, perseverance, resilience, hard work, and I've got to apply it somewhere else. So the thing at the top is different. Speaking and writing books is different than fighting, than wrestling. But when you like dissect it, it's the same process. It's the same system. And that's yep. all I'm doing now is just replicating that. What was it like the first time you, again, because you've kind of grown up with wrestling, you must be very used to that. But I suppose, and then you probably sparred a bit, but I mean, stepped into a cage of any type of form where you're not going to just wrestle. Well, you might be wrestling, but someone's trying to punch you in the face and it's, uh, and it's legit. They're allowed to. What was it yeah. like the first time you stepped into an arena like that? Uh, tell us about that experience. Well, the first, back to the, the, the real stories I'm talking about. <laughs> My first fight was in a small town called Steubenville, Ohio, just past Pittsburgh. Okay. When I say that it's like, man, just think of like, you know, no hard feelings, no hard feelings, <laughs> Steubenville, Ohio. But I think of that arena, man, just think of cold, like cement seating with a cage in the middle, a bunch of drunk people drinking yep. beer throwing beers booing that's exactly what it was so <laughs> i went over there granted i was teaching junior high spanish at that time so i went over there and it was like my my, my dad my grandparent my grandfather was there and friends and we we're like what is this what is this <laughs> and that was it man i just went out there and they said fight and i was like ah, i gotta fight so then you fight you know it's the only thing you can do you're locked in a cage so you gotta fight so thinking back going from there you know then to the the barn and then yeah. to like front and center in the UFC. It's I mean, did you, t did you take to it very quickly from that experience? Because I, I, like yeah. I like to think of uh, one of the great philosophers of our time, Mike Tyson, when he says everyone's got a plan until yeah. they're punched in the face. How did it go? <laughs> yeah, for me, you know, I, I'm not, I lost my, my way a little bit, but I'm, not, I, I'm a wrestler who learned how to fight. Yeah. So, you know, if you push me, I'm going to wrestle you. If, you. if you punch me, I'm going to wrestle you. That's, what I, that's, that's my core. That's my gut. Yeah. And then I learned to do the other stuff. So, I mean, if you come at me, my natural tendency is to, to react, to, yeah. to dominate. You know, that, that's what I grew up doing. So fighting was, it was a little bit awkward still during my fights. When they'd start punching me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is a fight, not a wrestling match. I <laughs> fight back. You know, so that took a little bit. But, you know, the natural tendency, it was bred in me for 20-plus years. Yeah. So the best way to, to work it out is when you're in the arena as yeah, well. You've got to learn quickly. Wow. Because obviously everyone has their failures, but one for you that you really felt like, ow, this went wrong. It doesn't have to be in fine. It's just in general, you think, you know, it's, it's been a bad day at the office or, you know, it, it, it definitely upwards is the way from here. Yeah. Back in 2014, so a couple of years after that big night, I got knocked out cold on live television. And it was just an overhand, one punch knockout. I was out cold. It was like a, uh, a perfect knockout in terms of like, it was absolutely horrible for me and absolutely yeah. awesome for him. I mean, he just came over here and right, boom. And I literally, like, if they would put it in slow-mo, it would look like, if you've ever seen Fight Club where he knocks the guy out, that's yeah. kind of what it was like for me. Um, and I yeah. opened my eyes and, like, it was like everything, like, came to a halt. I realized what happened, and it was just like, that was that moment you're talking about wow. where I just thought, man, this was bad. And there's, yeah. a, there's a, a lot, there's a hill that I've got to climb now. Yeah. A lot of times everyone focuses on, like you say, on, on the guy who's done the knockout and everyone's yeah. like, wait, a lot of times people forget about, and it can happen because you see it happen to all of the UFC fighters. 
unless they're, I don't know, unless they're very, very uh, yeah. fortunate. Yeah. One stage, like all the top ones have that time where they just get clocked. And uh, again, the focus is always on the person who's done the punch or the kick. Uh, but I always wonder about how, because you know, there's nowhere to hide. Like it's, you know, it's yeah. on TV. It's a big yeah. arena. Wow. And that, that, you know, what you just said, there's such a good learning point. There's nowhere to hide everything I teach when I get on stage or when I, when I do workshops or when I work with individuals, that that's it. Like you've got to get comfortable with that reality. There's nowhere to hide. Like stuff's going to happen to you. You can't run, you can't deny it. You can't, and, and being a fighter and being a wrestler, I mean, I got knocked out cold. Two minutes later, I had to stand up next to my guy while they raised his hand. Like what a slap, a second slap in the face that is. So yeah. just understanding as a person that, look, it's going to happen. You've just got to accept that and decide, hey, all right, I'll, whatever. It happened, move forward. And we, we touched on earlier about sort of the, the UFC and there sort of you lose three times and you're out. And it's kind of like even like right the top fighters, you know, you, you, you lose one fight. And you, I suppose, again, if you get the, the wrong or the right opponent, it's very easy to lose twice. And then before you know it, you know, there's a, it's a very high performing environment. How did it feel when you, I suppose, initially got dropped from the UFC? And what do you think was different in the terms of you came back, which again, getting to the UFC is, you know, that is a massive achievement. And then what you did, but I think once some people, some people would have thought, ah, oh, I've had my time, you know, and yeah. that was brilliant. But why do you think, and how do you think you had the mentality to, you know, turn that around? And I suppose with the UFC, maybe their mind is already, it might be harder to come back because their mind is kind of, oh, he's, he's, we've checked him out. He's done. He's done his thing. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually got chills when you were explaining it because not many people focus on that. You're probably the second person, honestly, that's ever brought that up. So yeah, I got released from the UFC and I was, I don't know, let's say I was 31 or maybe something like that when I got released. And it took me not long, but it took me, I don't know, a week, a month to decide, all right, I'm not done yet. I'm going to do this again. And so I went back to the local level. That's again, man, I went back to fighting in small places like Hey, you're the Spaniard. You were in the UFC. Now you're fighting here. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> and I didn't want to be that guy who just kept hanging on, but I knew I'm going to give this one more shot. Yeah. And so it was just what got me there the first time, got me there the second time. Busting my butt, uh, being around the right people, surrounding myself with the best. And then I eventually got back again. And it's, uh, you know, it's a timing thing. I got released. Could I physically get back again? Yeah. Would they accept me back? I don't know. But right now it's like, my heart is just telling me, nah, let's dedicate yeah. to something else. Yeah, your heart's, I, I completely agree. You know, you could in theory get back, but it's, it's if you, your heart is the main thing, because you've got you to gotta want it big time, haven't you? I mean, it's, I can't think of anything more than where it would show up. If you're in that arena and you yeah. don't want it 100%, it's, it's going to get shown up very quickly. You better be clear on it. Yeah, you're right. Whew, God. What would you say to, to someone who hasn't been in the cage, in the arena? Because I, I think any level of, being in the cage there's a difference between someone who's been in the cage obviously to someone who hasn't uh, whether it's a low level or high level what would you how would you try and explain it to someone who's never been in that kind of intense situation and do you miss that buzz or do you still go and you know spar and beat people up on the side <laughs> I, I don't really do that anymore and one i just want to conserve my brain you know i took a lot of abuse so so yeah. i want to make sure that that i'm, I'm being as careful as possible um, not to say I might not in the future, but for now I'm not. Yeah. But I, I, I liken it to uh, an airplane. So when you get on an airplane, if you fly, you know, you, you, you put on your safety belt, they take off, you kind of sit back and you're just, you, you're kind of just there, man. You're along for the ride. You, you pray it all goes well, but it's now up to not you. It's up to the universe, uh, things out of your control. 
a fight is kind of that way. You know, when you get in the octagon and, and Bruce Buffer looks at you, looks at him, says, ready, fight. It's kind of like that moment where it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm, you're, it's like you're kind of out of body. The here and now is kind of back to instinct and you're just going with it. And it's almost like you've done all the work. It's kind of like, kind of out of your control. You just got to do what you can do and then you go for it. And, and that's the, that's, that's probably the, the closest analogy that I can make to it. Wow. That is very, very cool. So in terms of, um, we always talked about getting into sort of out of body experiences there and as I want, and the athletes got a lot of times call it in the zone. And, uh, again, I don't want to assume, but it sounds like you could have been in the zone when you had that, you know, a great opportunity and you was the underdog and you took it. But was there a time when you, you felt like you was in the zone and it may have been a level of certain level of confidence or you just, I don't know, it felt like you was in the matrix and you could see all their punches coming and yeah. it was just like you were like in control. It just went all it went in the flow. Is there ever a time like that or even pieces of fight? Yeah, man. When I fought Rick's story, it was like I was totally in it. I, I you know, I, I trained so hard. All of us, we all trained so hard to do what it, not all of us, but if you're yeah. listening to this, you probably do. Yeah. We trained so hard to kind of like master our craft, whatever it is. But what happened to me, and take this listeners and adapt it to yourself. If, if you think of this thing, earn the right to trust your gut, okay? Earn the right to trust your gut. When I put in the work, when I do everything within my power to prepare myself for a fight, right? And then I go into that fight and I almost turn off my conscious mind and I just trust my gut, that's when I perform my best. And when I fought Rick's story, looking back on that fight, some of the combinations I threw, some of the movements I made, I don't know where they came from. They came from somewhere deep inside me. But then when I look at other fights where I'm very mechanical and very like thinking, Mr. Thinking Man, I get knocked out or choked out. So trust your gut. You know, you got to put in the work, but make it your goal that yeah. I'm going to work so freaking hard that when it's time to perform, I'm just going to rely on my gut and instinct and that's going to take me all the way. Yeah. I, love, I love that sort of addition to where people usually just say, trust your gut. But if you haven't, you know, if you haven't yeah. worked hard on your craft, I think that the earn the right is the yeah. good bit before it. Earn the right to trust it because that's a very key distinction. We're going to kind of sort of slide into what I call the alpha round, tools, tips, and resources. And I like to start that off with, and you, you kind of said this in some ways, but is there a particular quote that could be trust the right yeah. to earn, you know? But is there a particular quote that you like to live your life by? Um, or just a favorite quote. And as I say, you may have already mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love, I love earn the right to trust your gut. But I, 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 I mean, there's so many. There's yeah. so many. But to give you one, don't talk about it, be about it. I, I, I honestly, I don't know where it came from. I heard it. I don't, I don't even know where I heard it. But that's it. Like, we all just sit and we all talk and we all post and we all do it. But it's like, just shut up. Don't talk about it, be about it. You know, with, with, with what we're doing. You know, I have a podcast too. With what we're doing, it's like the way you get to be the best is by being the freaking best. And, and that's it. Like just freaking do it. Don't talk about it. Be about it. That is awesome. Is there a particular book uh, that you've really appreciated or you like to recommend to people? And it could, it could be nothing to do with fighting or it could just be, you know, an all time favorite book or it could be a couple of books. Yeah. I, I love, I love reading as much as I love training and fighting and wrestling. It's, it's part of my core being. And I read every morning and I, I, uh, let me say this actually in my podcast, the fighter's mindset, the Spinner podcast, every morning I record a five to seven minute motivational message based on what I read that day. So it, I'm always reading every single day. There's so many, if you go to my website, you can post this link uh, if yeah. you have the opportunity, but Charles, 
carly-brenneman.com slash resources. I have a list of probably 30 of my top favorite books, but one I'm going to recommend your leader sp reader specifically, uh, it's Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the creator of Nike. Okay. If, if, if probably my favorite, one of my top three favorite books I've ever read. And it's, uh, I mean, just talk about perseverance. So, so, you know, we think of Nike as like, oh, Nike has it all. No, man, the way they started, the way he had to work, 10 years of treading water before it finally broke, is, it's an amazing book, and that's Shoe Dog. Wow, great recommendation. I like that even more because it's, it's not one of our common ones, which is, which is great. Um, is there a particular, and I know you touched on sort of your morning routine there a little bit, but is there anything else to your kind of, your alpha habits that if you don't do it, looking back, you think, mm, that's probably why I didn't have as good a day as I could have had. Absolutely. So I just did a workshop at one of the Penn State branch campuses here in Pennsylvania, and I gave them power habits. So reading is one of them. Drinking water is one of them. So, I mean, you can see it right here, but yep. I have water right here. So that's an everyday thing, all day thing. Exercising is another one that I do almost seven days a week. And then the next one that, that is a, a natural tendency of mine, but man, it freaking helps. And that's asking questions. Be curious, ask questions. You know, how, how, how's this work? Why is it this way? I come off to, sometimes my, my family and friends will, will be like, man, you come off condescending, but that's not it. I just want to know how it works. You know, you have a podcast. How's it work? You have a business. How's it work? Finances. How's it work? Taxes. How do they work? Yeah. I just want to know this stuff because I love learning and I love knowledge. Awesome. And who do you think would be, a, from your network, who do you think would be a great interview? And again, you, I know you've mentioned your podcast. Um, so it doesn't have to be a fire, but I mean, who do you think would be a really good interviewer for this podcast, Awaken Your Alpha? Oh, man. I mean, I think we're all kind of shooting for the rock. I think he uh... <laughs> Hey, man, I, I love that guy. I love no, but, uh, that guy. Man, I've done a lot. I mean, any of the guys I mentioned, you know, Frank Yeager's an amazing one. I've, I've, I've done so many cool ones. I'd love to interview The Rock, but it'd have to be video because I just want that eyebrow. I want that eyebrow. Okay. That's it. Well, if you get them, I'm going to sit beside you and we'll record simultaneously. You, you can ask the this, question. We could do a package deal and say, look, we know right. you're busy. Yeah, get, get about 55 more of us and we'll be set. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so apart, uh, you did mention a few there. Well, again, I was going to say, who would you listen into if I got them on the show? I think you answered that there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. The Rock. People, like you had said earlier, so everyone wants to interview the winners. Mm. Yeah, I love winners. But I also want to interview like that guy who, or girl who, who didn't win, mm. who fell just short. Because like uh, I just read Phil Jackson's book, uh, 11 Rings, Phil Jackson, Coach of the Bulls. Yeah. And he was saying, I was obsessed by the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jordan and Pippen era and yeah. all that. We'll read the book, man. There's a lot of good insight Ooh. there. But he said, there's nothing worse than getting to the finals and losing. So those are the, 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 the because I love the story of persevering, of being resilient, of being tough, of bending and not breaking and just overcoming those odds and those obstacles. Sergio Garcia, I believe was his name. The guy, he just won oh. the, the, the Masters. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything about golf. I was just watching Kelly and Mike Kelly, Kelly live with Kelly one morning. Yeah. And they said, this guy failed 72 times on 73rd chance. He won a masters. And it was like, boom, I want to talk to that guy. Yeah. You know, what oh. did he do to keep, to keep that fire burning? Awesome. Um, and is there any particular resources you use within 
you know, your day, your life. I know you do podcasts and stuff that help keep you on the straight and narrow. So it can, some people go very techie on this. Some people, you know, could pick like a, a, a certain type of water bottle. It's yeah. up to you. Anything that you'd think, oh, this is a cool thing to recommend to a kind of a friend or. Absolutely. And I'll give you two, the water bottle I'll use, uh, I'm not sponsored by them, but I hope to be sponsored by them someday, but the brand is called Contigo, C-O-N-T-I-G-O. -O. And yeah. I drink a lot of water. And just the way they have it set up, you don't have to unscrew the cap and then yep. screw it on, unscrew it. So that saves time. So that water bottle I love. Yep. And then uh, Evernote. So I do a lot of things, you know, I mean, with your podcast and mm -hmm. everything you do, speaking, you take notes, references, bits, sound bites. Evernote is, uh, has helped me tremendously. It's just a way to keep track of all the thoughts and all my uh, tasks for the day. Uh, an excellent book also is called Getting Things Done. Yep. Uh, I believe the guy's name is David Allen. But okay. he walks through and, and his, you know, how he uses Evernote is very, very helpful. Yeah. And I want to kind of shift gears a, a little bit here just to talk about the speaking side of things. Um, and I, I, I know um, having a very good, you know, life experiences and stories and obviously how you carry yourself, which is a lifestyle, helps massively. Because yeah, yeah, right. even if your, your presentation skills are, you know, spot on, but if you kind of got no substance to talk about, yeah. it's going to be harder. So I, I think you got that side covered. But what would you say is um, tips in, in your opinion in terms of, you know, being a, you know, uh, an engaging motivational speaker or, you know, going around and sharing, sharing your, what is a very good message, but making sure you communicate it in a, an effective way. For me, well, there's a few things that have been really helpful for me and you only get it from doing. So, you know, maybe rule number one is just start doing yeah. find like, you know, uh, not too high risk situ situations to, to go practice your crap, whatever. Talk to yeah. <laughs> you have, a, you have a, a 10 year old neighbor, talk to your 10 year old neighbor, just practice. Yeah. Um, I'm, already, I'm already thinking reverse again. I know we've been talking about fighting so much, but now I'm thinking same for speaking, same for, if you're going to do the fighting thing, find a low risk, like don't, yeah, try, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't try and have some like professional fighter for your I've fought, I've fought in the barn before I fought yeah. in the US. <laughs> fight yeah. I suppose the same uh, for speaking, speak in the barn first. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, so that one, you just got to do it. Um, and then there's so much that goes into it, but, but finding your own voice, you know, so there's, there's motivational speakers, you know, Inky Johnson is a really big one right now. Eric, the hip hop preacher, oh, I he's, love a, him. he's a really big one. You know, and these guys are, you know, uh, hip hop preachers, ah, yeah, yeah, you got ah. That's not me. Like, mm. I'll sound like a dummy if I get up on stage and do that. Like, I'm looking for a real look in your eyes connection, relatively, like, I'm not over the top enthusiastic, but you get it and I understand it. And that's taken, I don't know, 50 or 100 events to really find that out. So that's another important thing. And then another thing, so there's different types of speakers, you know, there's speakers who essentially teach other stuff, you know, like a presenter or a yep. facilitator. I'm, I'm banking off my personal experience and how that can relate to you. So there's a fine line between making it about me and then tying it back to you. If I get up there, which I have done early in my career, where I just talk about me and then say, okay, see you later. It's like, yeah. what the heck's that? What, what, what? I don't care about that. So, you know, it's meeting this balance of this is what I experienced. This is what I thought, what I felt, and this is how you can apply it to yourself. So I think those three things are pretty applicable to, uh, people pursuing speaking my thoughts from someone looking in the hair back in the ufc days i mean i thought that was genius because of it looked like it helped at least maybe a glancing blow it looked like because <laughs> and i've had big hair i went traveling for a year and i had a similar hairstyle to that and it was like a, i felt a bit like a crash helmet it was yeah. useful. was there any benefits and do you recommend that for a ufc fighter 
No and no. No, no, there wasn't. No, I don't. Um, it was just the style. <laughs> it was just whatever. I, I, you know, I just had it. You know, people told me, one, it was good for marketing. People also told me it was terrible because when I got punched, it like added an exclamation point. Yeah, yeah, exactly what it did. So, no, maybe a big beard or pacing that on my chin would have helped. But <laughs> no, it was just a giant pain in the butt. And people got sick of my hair everywhere in their mouth and everything. So, ah, maybe it did help me a little bit in that respect. But no, I wouldn't recommend it. Link to this uh, this thread of question here. Were you, and again, it's hard for you to ask, but were, did you think like, geez, were you the coolest English teacher or Spanish teacher, I should say, coolest teacher in general at your school? And how long did the crossover go where you were like going into school yeah. and the kids are like, do you have a good weekend? And you got like black eyes and stuff. And they're like, don't mess with this guy. He's yeah, like, <laughs> I was, you know, cool for, for a period of time. But even prior to that, I won a reality television show. Okay. So while I was teaching, oh, was this the Joe Pros versus Joes? Yes. So I came home from that, and and that made me like you know quote super cool with the yeah. kids. And then uh, when I began fighting, which was around that time, I think it was the next summer. Yeah. It was like uh, you know it was still really really new, and my fight was on my early fight was on YouTube, and I remember no one really got it. You know, yeah. your my principal didn't really know what was going on. I was going to say, were they okay with that? Because some schools can be really like, yeah. oh, not be a teacher and beating people up. Or, you know? <laughs> I'm sure it'd be a little bit more, you know, whatever nowadays. Yeah. But back then it was, it was relatively normal. But yeah, the kids loved it. I remember standing in front of Spanish, you know, first, second period, them asking about my fights. But what's even cooler now, <laughs> honestly, is, is, you know, 10 years removed from my teaching career, having my old students who are now grown ups, adults, reaching out to me, you know, it almost makes me emotional. But just telling me how much they enjoyed it or how much it inspired them or what they learned from it. Or, or, you know, I'll, I'll some of my big fights that they, they'll send me messages and say, Oh, senor, they call me senor, Brenneman, senor, yeah. senor, I was watching your fight and so-and-so. And I said, Oh, I know that guy. I'm glad it was so cool. So that, that makes me feel good to be able to like make them whatever. feel Yeah. Good. That's very cool. And uh, we don't have to dig into it too much because it, it sounds pretty simple, but, Tell me about the, the name, The Spaniard. I'm assuming, obviously, because you're a Spanish teacher. It's very yeah. cool because of, obviously, Gladiator as well. Um, who gave you that name, or is it kind of like it just started off like that? You no, that's exactly where it came from. You know, most people think it, it just came from Gladiator, but it came from actually Spanish. And the long hair, actually. Because yeah. that, name, that name originated from Antonio Banderas. Because my wrestling coach, who gave me the nickname Spaniard, initially uh -huh. gave me the nickname Antonio Banderas, who's a famous Spanish actor. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and that, because I had long curly hair yep. and then after a while I was like, that's not so tough. And then he started calling me Spaniard. And then when I started fighting, I just kept Spaniard. Nice. Very nice. Your favorite movie of all time is <sighs> man, this is <laughs> tough. My favorite, sorry, I'm not finishing it right away. Favorite movie of all time. The first couple that come to my mind are Shawshank Redemption, uh, Gladiator and, uh, Stinking the one with uh, Mel Gibson, uh, Braveheart. Braveheart, yeah. yeah. Those are I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Gladiator would be in there. That's like yeah. that's an awesome one anyway. If my nickname was the same as Gladiator, I think that'd have to be mine. But... Hey, you know what my son's name is? Rocky. Is it? Yeah. yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. My wife, my wife doesn't love it. Obviously, the Rocky movies as well, but yeah. my wife doesn't love that. But. <laughs> Well. <laughs> it is what it is now <laughs> yeah. awesome your best friend would describe you as you know i just asked this question not too long ago one of my close friends he said driven disciplined and curious nice that fits into kind of what we've been talking about in the interview very cool um if you was to visit somewhere tomorrow anywhere on the planet it would be 
Man, I love Spain. And this I, all uh, fits into the nickname. <laughs> We're actually going in a couple months this summer. Man, I just, I've, I've traveled there. I fell in love with it. The culture, the people, the food, the just, man, I, I absolutely love the place. And the last time you were drunk was? Hold on. <laughs> it's been a while. Holy cow. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm guessing it's like really drunk. It's been a long time. You can pick a cool one then. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, one of the best, the, 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 yeah. one of the best. I mean, they were at my fights. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the best thing about my fights was after the fights, yeah. assuming I won, going out, being with my family because it provided such joy to the people who were there. It united, you know, there's a lot of talk about being part of a community and, and, and belonging to something. And that created opportunities for people to belong to something. So celebrating after those fights were, were memories that I'll never forget. And I'm sure I was drunk at some of them. <laughs> um, if you had to, and this is, I think it's quite a good one because of your teaching background as well. If you had to, um, Give advice to yourself, let's say a 12-year-old version of you, or actually 12-year-old you, what piece of advice would you pass on to a 12-year-old you? I would let me know that you should open your mind up a little bit and that the world does not operate in absolutes. Like and I do remember last time I was drunk, is at my best friend's wedding, <laughs> <laughs> which was back in October. Cool. Is there any questions you either thought I was going to ask or you feel like I've missed a tricker? Is there anything else you'd uh, wished I'd asked? No, man, this was fun. And, and it, like I said, your question about the, the journey back to the UFC, I honestly forget about that. And, and it, it, it is, you know, I'm the one who was in it, but taking me out of the equation as now a spectator, it's like that stuff's going to, whatever, adversity is going to happen to you. You, you. You've got to make a decision. You've got to go with your gut. You've got to earn the right to trust your gut. And, and that was just, uh, you know, that was a, a neat thing that you brought up that I appreciated talking about because I, I you know, it's been a, such a long time since I've even thought about that. Awesome. Charlie, it's been an absolute pleasure today. I've absolutely loved it. I could keep going uh, all day, but I do respect your time and I have to pick up my little boy, which I know we both got. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate you taking this, kind of speaking to us on one of what is ultimately one of your daddy days as well. My, my pleasure, man. I, I really enjoyed it. It's fun. Like I said, you asked some different questions. It was fun to uh, go down those alleys. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. If you have any interest in podcasts, living life to the max, and how you can get your own TEDx talk within the next three months, you need to reach out to me. Head over to ayalpha.com, head over to Facebook, and search for Awaken Your Alpha with ALW and jump on the inside. Let's connect, let's take it to the next level. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my bag.